you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And I'm excited. Okay, well, um, Sweet Victory and Jay Mac are on tap to <laughs> help us navigate the show, and we are very, very thankful for that. But we also have a very special guest uh, in studio joining us, Dr. Baruch Corman. And, and the reason I'm excited about this is because I had the opportunity to peruse his website and to watch some videos and to also... Uh, check out their YouTube channel to watch mm-hmm. some videos with uh, he and his wife interacting and talking about some of our favorite topics, um, marriage, <laughs> biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, all of the things that we discuss on Aaron the Addisons. And so I'm excited that we're going to get to spend this time together because there are so many questions that if you could sit across from a rabbi and ask, I have them. <laughs> all right. I don't have all of them. I mean, which is why if if Dr. Baruch is open to it, We'll um, maybe open the phone lines and let some of our listeners help us with some of these questions as well. Maybe there are questions that our listeners have that they may want to ask um, Dr. Baruch. But let me make a formal introduction here so that we can get right into content, uh, because I expect this time to really get away from us. Um, So we'll just get started. Dr. Baruch Corman has a Master of Divinity and Biblical Languages and a Ph.D. in Jewish Studies, which is what I was going for. But I know. um, I just... It, just, time. it didn't happen. And, just... you know, I mean, <laughs> time got away from me. Like, it's like you're eating a sandwich. Time got away. I just couldn't really couldn't really finish it. He's the director of the Zara Abraham. Don't mock my English. OK, <laughs> Zara Abraham Institute based in Israel. His television show Love Israel is broadcast around the world in many different languages on networks such as Daystar, God TV, Faith Broadcasting, and on several TVN international affiliates. He also produces a weekly one-hour radio program, which you can hear on the American Family Radio Network as well as Sirius Mm -hmm. XM, so across nearly 200 radio stations. And he joins us today. We're going to talk about a variety of topics. I really, I think, uh, in my thoughts and kind of framing where I wanted to go today, Mm -hmm. I think we may run the gamut a little bit. Um, but in other ways, I trust the Holy Spirit to really direct the conversation. Amen. And I'm very hopeful that there will be a lot of encouragement uh, in addition to the consumption of information Amen. and the consumption of knowledge, which we can all appreciate. I'm often, in addition to those things, driving at the leading of the Spirit. What is it that yes. he wants to impart to us? And so I'm excited about that. Dr. Baruch, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank God I'm doing well. And I'm very excited to be here in Tupelo at... The American Family Radio Network and sharing what uh, we love to do, which is to talk about the Word of God. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Oh, okay. I'm excited about that. So then let's just start here with kind of you telling our listeners a little bit more about your ministry and about the study of God's Word. Um, help us learn a little bit more about you. Well, our purpose is to give biblical truth. All we do is teach the scriptures. We try to emphasize the fact that it came, the Hebrew Bible and the 
Greek New Testament, so we study it in the original languages, trying mm. to bring out biblical backgrounds, uh, cultural things to help people understand what the author intended to that original audience and how we can take that same truth and implement it into our life because there's no better place to be than in God's will. And Amen. God's will is found in obedience, humility, submissiveness, and a desire to walk in his purposes. Amen. Now, let's talk about um, Bible translations, though, just in light of what you just said and how important it is for us to be steeped in the Word of God, to understand and to know the Word of God. Uh, As you well know, and so many of our listeners know as well, there are so many different Bible translations. (laughs) And I think the faithful student of God's Word is asking the sincere question, which translations can we trust? What should we be looking for? And I'm sure this is something that you feel passionately and strongly about. We really do, my wife and I and our organization. Unfortunately, today, there's a big change. Instead of doing what most people think a Bible translation does, and that is to look at the original language and render it into the given language, whether it's English or Spanish or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But the basis is the original text. Mm -hmm. Well, people don't do that today. In fact, what we find is that translations are being funded by, by organizations that have a purpose, an agenda. Mm. And they don't want to go back to the original. They want to take some existing translation translation, and adapt it according to their theology, their doctrine, their mm-hmm. purposes, sometimes their, their political agenda. Yeah. And all of that is tragic. Yeah. So we need to look at translations that are literal. For example, we have the uh, King James, the New King James, the English Standard Version, I also think a great translation is the Revised Standard Version, but the problem is you have some liberalness there. The word Mm. Alma in Hebrew clearly means a virgin, but that translation doesn't render it. It just says a young woman. There's some other problems, so there's no perfect translation, but there are some very good ones that we should uh, look to first uh, in trying to find that right one, like a literal translation, a word-to-word rendering. So if, if mm-hmm. one of our listeners were to do a search for this and, and sort of trying to, because I don't, I don't think that you have given us an exhaustive list of the translations that you trust. So if one of our listeners were to do a search, would that be where they would start literal translations of the Bible, or should they start with some of the ones that you have listed today? It's great to see what are the literal ones. Unfortunately, today you don't have too many of the ones being literal that's being on the market I think one of the worst ones, and what's sad about this, it's the most popular English translation, and that is the New International Version. NIV. It's a, NIV. You okay. see it all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80%, yeah. and this is a, a phenomenal statistic, but 80% of the people that speak English, whether it's their first language or not, but they want an English Bible, they use the NIV. So it's, it dominates the market. And the NIV is not a literal translation. It is a paraphrase where they take parts of the Scripture and render it into what they think it means. It also borders on an interpretation rather than a translation. So Mm. it is a very problematic one. Uh, Example, people oftentimes will want an example of this. Well, in Colossians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul is speaking about uh, things such as uh, the festivals of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, 
literally, these are a shadow of things which are coming. But the NIV will say, these were a shadow of things. So it wants to take the, the things that Paul says are important in teaching us about the kingdom and what casts that shadow. It's the king himself. It's, it's Christ. They want to say, oh, no, this were, meaning it's no longer any wow. relevance. So it's, it's some very dangerous things that we have to be on the lookout for. Absolutely. Mm. Can I ask just on a, on a personal note, um, what do you think about the NASB? The New American Standard Bible is a yes. literal one. It, it tends to be pretty good. Uh, so I would give it maybe a, a B plus as far as translations okay. go. But it okay. takes a lot of liberties uh, as well with does its it? rendering. Yes, it does. Okay, so for those of us, and I don't mean to drag this question out, but we have so many listeners who want to be faithful students of God's word. And and these are some of the questions that we feel. These are the questions that we discuss even among ourselves. So then for those of us who do not read Greek and who do not read Hebrew, if you were today to say, here is the Bible that I would recommend that you read. Here's the, the version that I would recommend. What would that be? probably the New King James, and I'll tell you why, and that is we have to also look at the source text. So let's just limit our our conversation for a moment to the New Testament. You have two primary texts. Now, both of these texts are developed from a wide variety of manuscripts. You have what's called the Textus Receptus Mm -hmm. and Nestle Allen. And what people don't know is that Nestle Allen and today, almost every translation that you buy is based upon Nestle Allen. Again, we're just speaking about the New Testament. And the problem with that is that the Nestle Allen, these are two men that that put together what's called the critical text, and they never put it together to form the Greek New Testament for translation purposes. Their objective was to show major differences between the major manuscripts and the Texas Receptus. So when we look at the King James, the New King James, and just a handful of others, they use the Texas Receptus, which I think is a better source text. All the others, whether we're talking about the New American Standard or the uh, ESV or the NSAB, whatever those other ones, they use Nestle Allen, and I think that is an inferior text. And what we find is many of the, the verses, things are, are limited. I was sharing uh, earlier, we were in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, earlier this uh, this weekend, and in the Pew Bible where I was speaking, they had a, a passage where it says, some manuscripts add, and that's simply not the case. It's not that manuscripts add words. Actually, what happens is manuscripts take away from words, and when you compare the Texas Receptus and the Nestle Allen, you'll find that the Nestle Allen has numerous uh less words. I guess that's just not a good English, but but much less words. Sure. They take out things and that's tragic. Wow. Wow. This is compelling. I'm, yeah. I'm I am so grateful for us being able to take the time here yeah. and to kind of drill down. I know this is super helpful. Go ahead, Will the Great. No, I was just thinking, you know, uh so when we have these uh Bibles, you know, most people, like you say, Miki, don't read the Greek and the Hebrew. Right. You know, so it's, it feels like we're actually missing a lot that we should have. Like, how do we even compensate for that? Like, how how do how does a a lay person, just a regular person, you know, that's missing all these things, begin to to find these things out? Well, yeah. 
I'm going to answer this question, and, and it's usually not well received, but but here's what I would say. This is serious business. Yeah. This is the utmost importance, the Word of God. Amen. And in the same way, and I was speaking in, in Amsterdam, and a gentleman came up, a very nice gentleman. He said, you know, you go into such detail. Why can't we just look at the bigger pictures and the main things? Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you know, if you had a heart surgeon, that you needed heart surgery, Come would on. you want one to just— knew the basic (laughs) things, the big pictures, or would you want the one that followed the detail? Yeah. And Mm. we need to study to show show ourselves approved. Amen. And it's it's serious. And what if you look, for example, if I go in my Bible and I look at a scripture, in fact, uh, can we do something just might be fun for a moment? Please, yes. Let's absolutely do this. In the devotion, I was like, okay. Let's absolutely yeah. do this because, and even as you're taking out your Bible, Dr. Brooke, I would just say this and just so that you know, this is where we live. We take mm-hmm. the word of God very seriously. Amen. So this is not exhausting for us. In fact, not this is all. something that we delight to do. So let's take every liberty that we have across the airwaves to, to, to make much of the importance of being a, an accurate student of God's word. Well, let's look at the book of Acts chapter 13 and just one verse, verse 48. It's a wonderful verse about God's grace to save all people. But if you look there, it says, When the Gentiles heard, also they glorified the word of the Lord. Now, this is what gets interesting. If you look in a lot of Bibles, they translate things incorrectly by changing the word order. And, for example, if you look at many, it'll say, uh, those who were ordained for eternal life, believed. And so when you look at that, it seems to say that the reason why they believed is because they They were were ordained ordained for eternal life. Mm -hmm. But they changed the word order. What it says here, and they believed, and they were, and this is the phrase for to be placed or appointed for eternal life. So we see believing causes us to be appointed. It's not being appointed (laughs) that causes us to believe. Really serious yeah, that's, implications. That's really serious, yeah. Oh, wow. hold on a second. Okay, wait a minute. This is <laughs> this is so rich right now. So what I want to do, and we're coming <laughs> we're coming up on a break here, guys. This I love this so much, as you well know. Um, I want to take a break, and I want to come back to this passage because I think what we'll do is we will allow also for some of our listeners to go and grab their Bibles as well and to read along with us and to really kind of understand Mm -hmm. what you're saying and the weight of the implication when you're shifting around words and doing that to create a theology or to present a doctrinal position. That is very important. Aaron Mm -hmm. the Addison's American Family Radio will be right back. See on the hill of Calvary My Savior bled for me My Jesus set me free Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, that's passionate with what he's done. Dr. Baruch is joining us today. Dr. Baruch has a Master of Divinity in Biblical Languages and a PhD in Jewish Studies. And um, we were discussing the importance of Bible translations uh, before we went to the break, mm-hmm. and as you heard my microphone fumbling as I was grabbing my Bible and opening <laughs> up, um, because I take this very seriously. Look, even in my in my 
my ignorance, and, and I say that humbly, but sincerely in my ignorance, as I endeavor to be a student of God's word, when I learn the meaning of a Hebrew word or I learn the meaning of a Greek word, it changes the way I read a passage in the mm-hmm. Bible. And you it can't does. unknow that. Like right. once you go deeper and you read something, you go, oh, that's kind of different than even the English translation there. It gives a deeper, richer meaning. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine if you speak and read Hebrew and Greek and then you're reading this and you're, it just to me would be a huge obstacle. You say, well, that's inaccurate. Well, that's not what that actually meant. And I think that that's what Dr. Baruch is doing with us today, helping us to be more discerning as we read the Word of God. Dr. Baruch, I want to go back to the um, example that you're using here in Acts chapter 13. Um, let's set it up again uh, in, in, I would say, with regard to our listeners who maybe have grabbed their Bibles during the break and they want to go here with us. We were at Acts chapter 13, verse 48. Um, can we begin again here? It speaks about Gentiles who have heard the word of the Lord, and they're giving thanks. They're rejoicing over that. And then it says at the last part, and they who believed. So it's speaking about those who believed. Mm -hmm. And then what's interesting to note, we have the active voice and the passive voice. We can Mm -hmm. think of that as cause and effect. The active causes the passive, meaning whatever the passive event is, it's caused by the active one. So what's active here? Believing. What does that cause? Well, the word that oftentimes is, is translated ordain, which is a very heavy theological word, mm-hmm. that ordain. It's trans- translated other places, and that's why it's so important to do word studies. It's translated one place to be devoted to, to show great commitment to. So what this scripture is saying is this. It's because you believe that you will be devoted for, and where it says eternal life, our listeners need to know that the word eternal is a adjective that describes the kingdom of God. So what it says is that we're going to be devoted for eternal life, or we could think of that as kingdom life. So I believe, and once someone truly believes, he's going to begin to demonstrate, or she's going to begin to demonstrate a commitment to the kingdom principles, the kingdom character to live as though we belong as we do belong to the kingdom of God, and not, even though we live here, we don't belong to this world. What does the scripture mm. say? We're aliens and strangers. Yeah. So this is what the scripture is trying to tell us. Those who believe in that gospel, it brings joy because we know our salvation, and we're going to begin to demonstrate, because of that believing, demonstrate kingdom principles in our life. That's the the origin or the message of this this 48th verse of chapter 13. Hmm. Okay, so conversely, though, you've got some translators who would translate this particular verse in such a way so as to reflect a type of doctrinal conviction mm-hmm. or a a kind of like a, a presupposition that they kind of impose on the text. Well, we believe this. Therefore, the text must be saying this. Can can you unpack that for us a well, little bit? I think you're very astute, and you're, you're exactly right. Many times, because they want to reflect a doctrinal point of view, mm-hmm. they play with words, they change word order, they give what is is active a passive sense, and what is 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 active a passive sense, or vice versa. Sure. So what we see is not. Listen, we all are going to stand before the judgment seat of Messiah. Now, as believers, we know where we're going to spend eternity, but there's also rewards. And I don't want to stand before God saying, 
well, I know what your word said, but I changed it because I like this doctrine better mm, or because right. of, of my relationship with this denomination. Mm. I mean, we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And Amen. that fear, that word fear, yara in Hebrew, is related to priority. I want to give God the priority of my life. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's not just being afraid. It's giving him priority. And if I'm mistranslating his words because of a doctrinal desire that I have, yes. I mean, do I want God to agree with me or do I want to agree with God? That's what faith is, agreeing with God. And so I think we need a, a greater fear of the Lord when it comes to handling his word. Amen. Wow. Amen. Okay, well, wow. then let me let's go a little bit further here, because in part of the discussion that we're having, and I want all of our listeners to be able to engage this discussion. So, Dr. Baruch, I am speaking here, and I think that you are picking up on what I observe as far as doctrinal conviction here, that there are some people who believe that there are certain people who are predestined for salvation, and those whom the Lord has already said you're going to be saved, those are the ones who respond. And then there are other people who will say that we are free, that as many as who will come can come. And and in fact, this is a question that I've been exploring in discussions with our children. We have six children. We educate them at home. And we've been having these discussions. And uh, Norm Geisler's book, Chosen But Free, comes to mind here in our wrestling with the understanding of God's sovereignty, but also the free will of man, that the Lord presents uh, the gospel, that the opportunity to come to Jesus Christ exists for all of us. And at the same time, the Lord knows those who will come. Mm-hmm. How do we understand this and even teaching it to our children, teaching it um, to one another? How do we understand this? I did not come and bring that up in regard to get into the question of Reformed theology. (laughs) But having having it been brought up, let's deal with it. I think it's an important thing. Sure. And you mentioned a word, a long word, a very significant word, predestination. Now, people oftentimes ask me, do you believe in predestination? And I would say I believe in biblical predestination, mm-hmm. not the, the theological predestination. Now, you did a great job summarizing what is theological predestination, and that is some God has elected for salvation and others he did not. So it has to do with predestined for salvation or predestined to spend eternity separated from God. But, but this is not what we find in the Bible. If I'm going to form an opinion on predestination, I need to form it on the Bible. And here again, Amen. let's go to what the Scripture says in a great passage. There's two primary ones, but let's just deal with one at the beginning, where it says in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And we go there to where it speaks about the God who is the blessed God, also the Father of our Lord, Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ. And it says that he has blessed us. I'm reading in verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, who has blessed us with every spiritual uh, blessing in the heavenly places. And notice it says, in Christ. The first thing that we're going to see here as we go through and develop and come to that word for predestination is that predestination is only relevant from the biblical perspective for those who are in Christ. Mm. It only has to do with those being in Christ. So it has nothing to do with where you're going to be spending eternity. There's not one verse that takes this word. And here again, I I oftentimes talk to friends who are are Calvinistic, and I ask them, what is the Greek word? And many of them do not even know. So you're dealing with a doctrine. You don't know the origin of it. This is very problematic. 
Wow, the, the yes. Greek word here is prorizo, and proizo is a word which means it's related to the word proorao, which is to see before. So God sees everything, and he always has seen it. There's never a time where God doesn't see everything. Amen. Because he sees everything, he knows everything, and foreknowledge is very important. But if you look here, look at verse 4 where it says, just as he has chosen us in him. Now, that's again that phrase, in him. He's chosen us. God knows this. He's seen it always from before the foundation of the world. And what did he chose us for? Mm. To be, for us to be holy and blameless before him in love. Now, if you do a good study, these little words, particles, or in this case, prepositions, in him, in love. What does that tell us? Well, if you want to receive the love of God, see, it's not enough to just know God loves me. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me feel good. But the question is not, does God love me? The question is, am I going to be a recipient of his love? Mm-hmm. And what this text is telling us is you will only be the recipient of the love of God if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, he may love you, but you're not going to receive that love. And then we go and continue on. What is this outcome of his love? Well, it says that he has predestined us for the adoption of Messiah Yeshua. And it says again, in him. Now, this is what we're being told in this passage. What God has predetermined, what he has predestined, what he has saw beforehand is those who are in Christ to be like Messiah. That doesn't mm. mean that we become divine, but we're going to be holy and without spot without blemish, any type of blemish. Mm -hmm. So this is the good news. So those who are in Christ have been predestined to be like him. Predestination in the scripture says nothing about where you're going to spend eternity. It has nothing to do with God choosing some and choosing others not. No, it has to do with those who are in Christ, in that new covenant relationship. I've been predetermined. Now, that word proorizo is used outside to talk about, like, for example, my wife likes to sew. And when she goes and she wants to make a dress, she goes out and buys a pattern. Mm-hmm. And you know what that dress is going to look like. When you see the material and the pattern, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, am I predestined? Yes, I am, because I'm in Christ. And what's that pattern? It's him. I'm going to be mm. like him. I don't become divine. That would be heresy. But I'm going to be like him holy, without spot, without blemish. Why? Because of what he did. has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with some uh, election. Does You know, the word election comes with a lot of baggage. It just means choice. <laughs> hmm. So God chooses. He elects me. But the scripture says, I'm elected in Christ. Hmm. One who's not in Christ cannot be elected. Once you are, are in Christ, you are elected for the kingdom and you have that that sure promise because it's based upon what God has done, not what I have done. Let me just say this to our listeners right now, because I know <laughs> that there are so many who have been so blessed just to hear this broken down. I think that there is a thirst for the, the and excuse the expression, clean teaching of the word of God, like teaching that is not slanted in one doctrinal position. And I think what we don't realize, and Dr. Baruch, if you could speak to this, I would appreciate it. I think we often don't realize that many of us have become comfortable 
shoving the scriptures into our doctrinal context rather than filtering our doctrinal context or even our doctrinal position through what is expressly laid out in the word of God. Um, would you agree that this is, have you observed this? I guess yeah, I should ask. I think ask. that's very well said, very articulate, very, very correct. And yeah. we, we want to fit in to a structure of man and perhaps a, theolog- a theological perspective based upon man rather than say, I want to fit into submissiveness to the word of God. It's it's revelation to us. Amen. Amen. I mean, I think this is so critical. And I think these are the types of, um, and I guess just because in light of our listeners, I would say sometimes it's a difficult conversation because in um, American Christianity, I think it's very easy for people to say, I'm a member of this denomination. And then when you're able to express that you are a member of a denomination, it almost excludes you or maybe better stated, it excuses you from your own personal study of God's word because people are then able to take from that communication. You say, I'm this denomination and people generally know what that is. So then you don't have to. You don't have to know what that means that you're saying. You just are able to say that and then kind of keep moving. But I think it's so important, um, even as we watch the state of the Lord's bride, it's so important for us to be students of God's word. Let me say this and then I'll move on. I've got another question, unless unless there's reason for us to stay here, which I'm totally open and dare I say bold enough to do. Let me just say loveisrael.org is going to be a website that you're going to want to check out. Dr. Baruch has tons and tons of Bible studies on this website, both written studies and video studies that what you just heard in those last few minutes um, are in those studies. This is and, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to shape our conversation the way that it's shaping up today uh, is because as I was watching those studies and reading some of those articles, I thought people need to hear this. We we all need to hear this and be provoked to getting to the sincerity of God's word. What is God saying to us? Not what we hope that he's saying or what we want him to be saying. So loveisrael.org is the website you're going to want to check out. You can also uh, go to YouTube and find Dr. Baruch and his wife Rivka there. They've got a YouTube channel that is called Biblically Inspired Life, Biblically Inspired Life. And I believe that your wife Rivka uh, oversees that channel and produces most of the content. This is her channel. Our channel is loveisrael.org or mine is that just has the Bible Uh, studies verse by verse through the books and then she takes on a lot of issues and it's primarily for women uh, Mm -hmm. the biblically inspired life Uh, she shares things and tries to be an encouragement and a help to primarily the the mothers and wives and young women in walking with the lord and living that that life that's biblically inspired dr baruch there's a lot of conversation these days um because of uh popular culture and because of some of the current headlines there's a lot of oh my goodness i can't believe the music we're almost, okay um let me just set it up and we'll go right into it on the other side of the break there's a lot of conversation these days about israel about jewish people about anti-semitism and i'm hoping that you can talk to christians brothers and sisters in the faith um and help us understand how we view Israel, how we view the Lord's relationship to the Jewish people in the context of the body of Christ and eternality. Help us, and I know that's a big question, but I trust the Spirit of God that you'll be able to break it down and help us make sense of what we see happening in current events. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. When we come back, 
bring your pens to take notes, right? Because we'll just continue at the same rate that we've been going. Dr. Baruch is our guest today. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and CC Winans, worthy of it all. Dr. Baruch Corman, Corman joins us. Corman joins us today. I can't even talk because I'm, I'm <laughs> wanting to quickly get to my profession of um, <laughs> being jealous. I just want to say, I'm, and I know that that's not good. But I could hear the conversation that oh, you and you Dr. Did. Baruch were having during the break. Okay. And I was so upset, thinking. I should be a part of that conversation. <laughs> this well, this let's is have the it kind now. of let's, well, let's, I mean, I think we have to. Yeah, let's have it. Um, now. anyway, <laughs> and I know when I say jealous, I mean that in a kind of like you know not condemning of myself way. Can I do that? Can I not yeah, condemn? Can I on. say that I'm not? Anyway, I don't know. It's a joke. Uh, Dr. Baruch, thank you so much for joining us. Before we went to the break, though, I tried to set up a conversation uh, that I wanted to have about the recent discussion about. Um, the Jewish people and about anti-Semitism and the rise of anti-Semitism in America. And, and maybe there's there are things that you will bring to this conversation that I'm even unaware of. But I know that people like Kanye West and Kyrie Irving, Irving are in the news today um, because of this sort of fringe element that is out there, the black Hebrew Israelites. And um, I wanted to have a conversation about God's relationship to the Ju- the Jewish people and his dealing with Israel that may be something that we as Gentile Christians just don't understand and might be helpful in this conversation that we're having today. Very good. I think it's a wonderful subject. Okay, so so how do we get started on this, Dr. Baruch? Like, where do, where do we where do we go in understanding God's relationship to Israel? Well, it begins by acknowledging there's only one Savior. That's Messiah Jesus. There's no hope outside a confessional acceptance to believe with your your heart, to fess with your mouth that, that Christ Jesus is Lord. Without that, you are eternally lost, whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, we see something. We see that, that God is going to bring a remnant, very important remnant, not all remnant of the Jewish people. Zechariah tells us one-third in the last days to faith in that same gospel when they look upon the one who has been pierced and they recognize who he truly is. So there's no salvation outside of that. Mm. But we need to also understand that the the kingdom, and I'm talking about the millennial kingdom, will not be established. I want that kingdom because it's a, a kingdom of righteousness and justice where, where there's not going to be a crime and injustice like we see in this world throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen until, as Messiah says, let's just go to the New Testament. When when in Matthew 23 at the end, Jesus is looking over from the Mount of Olives upon Jerusalem weeping, and he says, how I wanted to gather up you, but you were not willing. I wanted to do it as a mother hen gathers up her chicks, but you were not willing. And he says, I tell you, salvation's not coming, that kingdom. He says, I'm not returning again until they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
So that kingdom is not going to be established, and that means that we should be praying for a spiritual change to happen to the Jewish people. Now, what's going to happen? Yes, there is rising anti-Semitism throughout the world. But what the church needs to know is this. It says in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, Etzerahile Yaakov, which is a time of trouble for Jacob, that, that scripture that speaks about Jacob's tribulation. But before that happens, the church is going to go through massive persecution. As, I, as I've said uh, this morning in devotions with you, and, and I've been saying for a lot of different places, the message, I'm not a prophet, but I can read prophecy and I can read the Bible, and the message for the church today is this, take up your cross and follow me. Mm. So Israel's going to go through the worst time of suffering ever for the Jewish people, but it's going to be after a time of persecution for believers. We need to remember what it says in Acts 14, 22, which says it is necessary to go through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of God. We'll never experience the wrath of God, but but mm-hmm. people are being persecuted now. That persecution is growing for the faith. It's going to get worse. Be ready for that. But Israel's also going to go through, after, I believe, after the rapture, Israel's going to go through the worst time of tribulation ever for that nation. That pains me to say that. But we're seeing the foretaste of it even today. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you would say that. And and I was thinking about this and kind of processing. I was talking to Will the other night about this. Uh, I heard Dennis Prager. um, He was talking about the rise of anti-Semitism and he was talking about Kanye West's comments and offering some commentary on that. And there was something that he stumbled upon. Now, he is not a believing Jew. He, He does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, but he is a religious Jew, as he would describe himself. And he said something that I found very interesting. He said, you know, whenever um, nations uh, persecute the Jewish people, he says it doesn't turn out well for them. Wherever you see the persecution of of Jewish communities in dwelling among other nations, it does not turn out well for those nations. And I thought, I don't even understand. I don't, I don't think he understands the spiritual implications of the comment that he just made. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. The Lord's faithfulness to Israel, not because Israel deserves it or has earned it, but because he made a covenant with these people. And and I think that's something that we as Gentile believers must also understand. Would you agree with that? Strongly agree. I think it's very perceptive on, on your part. And the reason why I say that is that the covenant is for Israel to be, we say in Hebrew, kli, a vessel, an instrument, mm. in order to bring blessings to all the families of the earth. Amen. So God's purpose with Israel is to bless all the nations, every tongue, every language, every people. Now, who knows that better than anyone? The enemy. So he wants to mess up Israel, persecute Israel, all of these things because he hates blessing. Why? Mm. Blessing brings thanksgiving. Blessing brings people glorifying God. He hates that because he wants to be glorified. So one of the reasons why, and it's the worst thing that can happen, is that nations are against Israel. We see the United Nations. We see the European Union are, are strongly opposed to people resettling the land. But if you look at a great prophecy, it's a prophecy, the only prophecy in the Bible that I know that's dressed personally to the Gentiles, I'm talking about Obadiah. Hmm. And Obadiah says this, only 21 verses, and the last verse says, and then the kingdom 
will be the Lord's. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. We want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, what the question that one should ask is, what's got to take place for that kingdom to come? Mm-hmm. And it tells us. We don't have to wonder about it. Jewish people have to inherit and dwell in certain places within the borders of Israel and even beyond the borders of today. God says, until that happens, the kingdom's not coming. So it doesn't surprise me that the world is against the settlers, against people wow. going back to the land. So we see this, this, this conflict. It's spiritual in nature. Now, about Dennis Prager, he says something that's true. He says nations that persecute the Jewish people don't do well. Well, that's biblical. Those who bless my people will be blessed. Those who yes. curse my people will be cursed. It's very elementary. Right. And, and when we look at Genesis 12, so God's faithful. So we're not surprised by by what God does. Oh, Amen. very interesting. And, and so now let's let's kind of turn our shift here. And we don't have to do a, a deep dive. And in fact, I would just say I'm not prepared to do a deep dive on the black Hebrew Israelites, although we have done a show on them uh, in in the past. There is sort of a rise of this fringe group, and I think that Kanye West has drawn attention to them, as has uh, Kyrie Irving drawn attention to the black Hebrew Israelites. There are black, if you will, Hebrews, but they're not standing out on the corner of a McDonald's yelling at people wearing purple like choir robes. And, And I think it's important for us to understand that even now in Israel, and you guys were talking about this during the break, and I I wanted to bring this to air because I think it's an important conversation. There are black Hebrews, but what we see happening on the street corners in some of our major cities, that is not the representation of that. I I would agree. The people that we're talking about who have uh, black skin, dark skin, that are Jewish and part of the Israeli nation as citizens, they come from Ethiopia and other places as well. We can't Mm -hmm. just limit it to there. Yeah. And and what you look, if you, you come and visit Israel and you walk around, you see diversity, great mm. diversity in culture. They come from different Jewish communities around the world. They also have diversity in skin color. They have diversity in speech. And, and our God is a God of diversity. That's why he says his kingdom people are from every tribe, nation, Amen. tongue, and such. And, and what's great is we're going to see, as Paul says in Romans 11, there's the fullness of the nations. And when that fullness of the nation comes in, God's going to turn his attention back to Israel. The Redeemer will come forth from Zion, turn away the transgression of Jacob. And what does he say? All Israel will be saved. When he says all of Israel, he's not speaking about every Jew. When he says all of Israel, he's speaking about all God's kingdom people. We remember the verse in Romans 9, 6, not all of Israel is of Israel. What does it mean Mm -hmm. there? Not every Jewish person is part of the kingdom people. Mm -hmm. So all the kingdom people are going to be saved, and all the kingdom people, there's a Gentile uh, component, and there's a Jewish component. That's always, that's what we see in the Torah, going back to Genesis 12 and the Abrahamic covenant. So God wanted to use Israel in order that he, we say in Hebrew, which means in order to, to bring into this world blessings for all the families of the earth. And I love that mm. term, families. Yeah. Amen. So, so important. Oh, this is so good. You know, you kind of touched on this just lightly here, and I never want to presume. And so if I ask a question that makes you uncomfortable, Dr. Baruch, you just tell me, and, you know, I'm tough enough to move on to the next question here. But you kind of alluded to um, the end of the age, and and the way you spoke of it led me to believe that 
maybe biblically you're communicating the way some things will transpire at the end of the age. Um, you talked about Israel going through the most difficult time mm-hmm. in its history. Um, I imagine that you're talking about the time of the tribulation, and but then you say the church will be spared that wrath However, we will be persecuted. We, we will suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is sort of what we expect um, in following him, right? He left us an example that we must also suffer. Um, so am I understanding you to believe that the church will be caught up? Do you, do you believe in a raptured church and then um, the time of, of what is called Jacob's trouble? How do you see that in Scripture? Sure. What you just said, there's a lot of implications to that, but I would agree with you. I do believe in the rapture of the church. In fact, I don't know how someone can read the Bible and and reject that. Mm. But it is something that's being rejected. I was at a conference not too long ago, and the person basically gave a seminar, an all-day seminar, on why there's no rapture. Mm. Uh, Tragic that they have these views. But no, the church is going to be caught up. And what we find is this. Both the church and Israel is not going to be recipients of God's wrath in this age. Israel talks about Israel being sealed in Revelation chapter 7. We can go into the significance of the 144,000 some other time. Sure. But okay. it's not the, the 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 time of Jacob's trouble from Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 is not because of God's wrath. It's because of the persecution of the Antichrist. Mm. You know, many times one of the most common, common questions we get is, Now, do you think the Antichrist is going to be Jewish because why would Israel receive him if he wasn't? Nowhere does the Scripture say that Israel receives the Antichrist. In fact, when the Antichrist commits that abomination of desolation, Mm -hmm. Israel's going to reject him, and that's going to bring about the worst time of persecution. But the source of it is that Antichrist empire against Israel. It's not God's wrath. So, So we're not going to receive God's wrath, but as people are suffering now, it's going to get more intense. It's going to get more widespread upon the church. And I think if we just look, we see a greater yeah. and greater hostility yeah. in America mm-hmm. for people of faith. Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen. Messiah says it. If you look at Matthew 24, he says that that there's going to be a time of suffering. He says, they hated me, they'll hate you. They persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But our promise is based upon 1 Thessalonians 5.9, which says we are not appointed for wrath, but for salvation. And that term salvation there means victory. We're going to have kingdom victory. You know, I think it's so interesting, Dr. Baruch. There are so many people who would say that those of us who believe what we read in Scripture, I mean, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote very clearly. I mean, there's no other way to look at this except to see um, a catching up of the saints, a rapturing of the saints. And and, and I don't understand how that has uh, become so controversial, but I think that there are people who would say that we are escapists. We just are trying to get out of suffering. But I don't think the early church would have believed that they just escaped suffering. I mean, you look at the persecution of the first few centuries of the church and even now the suffering just because it's not it doesn't look in America the way it looks in Nigeria or China or Iran I mean the church is suffering right now and I think that there is an encouragement for us as we read the scriptures to see that this was that the Lord is not unaware of this and I know we're running out of time so I'll just get your comments on that Dr. Baruch. We will escape the wrath of God we will not escape persecution the church is called to suffer for our faith And uh, whether someone agrees with that or not, just wait. You're going to experience it. (laughs) 
Dr. Oh, Baruch, well then. thank you so much. Oh <laughs> my goodness. You. I tell you, I could I could talk to you for a couple hours, maybe even three. Loveisrael.org is the website you're going to want to check out. Loveisrael.org. Make sure you also listen to American Family Radio so that you can hear the weekly one-hour program um, hosted by Dr. Baruch. We really do appreciate this ministry. Thank you so much for joining us. We are out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.